Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Welcome back. Happy February. Grief is all around us. It can appear in different forms. It's not always just the loss of a loved one. Today, we are going to explore the loss of a career and the loss of what you thought your life's purpose was. Today, I have John Picciuto, who I met recently. Love him. Just totally bonded with him right away. He's such a chill guy. He has a podcast called The Wrong Advice Podcast. He had me on. We talked all about loss. He has a bunch of people on that are just going through conversations about life and getting people's different perspective on everything. Definitely check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. He lost his job from the pandemic. And it's taken him on quite a ride. He has a whole overview of what life means, what happiness means, what success means, all of these different perspectives now that he doesn't feel he would have had, had this pandemic not happened, had he not had this experience of losing his job. We also talk a lot about mental health and men. John proudly attends therapy. Yes, snap, snap, snap to him. Love that. But we talk about somebody who probably should be in therapy if they're not Kanye West. Oh my gosh, a lot in the news about him. So we'll get into that topic as well. So John and I, while both podcasters living a little bit of a different life this week, he is in New Jersey preparing for the storm that is about to hit. Today's Friday when I'm recording this. I know I'm going to put it out on Tuesday. We'll, we'll see what the numbers end up being. And I'm in Florida, just, you know, living life by the pool. <laughs> just kidding. It's not that glamorous, but it's still wonderful. Anyway, here we are, John Picciuto. Did you have to stock up on bread and eggs and toilet paper and, and all the such? Or was it just <laughs> salting the driveway and that type of thing? Long story short, yes, but also no. I went to the little bodega around the corner from my apartment. I got some like Gatorade and some chips and stuff. I've got plenty of food, but I was like, I'm going to be stuck in bed tomorrow slash my apartment. I'm probably going to want to like snack on crap and watch movies. With my parents, I had to run to Home Depot, pick up some stuff, which was like, you know, whatever, the solar salt stuff. Yeah. So I had to buy, pick up a bunch of stuff for them, run it over there. And now I'm here. <laughs> and you made it's it. Been a, it's been a crazy morning. It's been insane. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, hopefully it, this won't be too long, maybe like 45-ish or whatever we did the other day. I've got um, all I, I've got all the time in the world. Okay. Okay. Well, then we'll go like four hours. So we'll just like do yeah. whatever. John Pachuto, right? That's how you pronounce it? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. how, what what are the fun different ways that people actually pronounce your name that are incorrect? Because I get that all the time as well. Picayudo, mm. prosciutto, <laughs> Parmigiano. I mean, like, I've heard it all. I, I like phonetically speaking, it's a simple, simple name to say. Uh -huh. Pitch like a pitch of baseball. The letter U and the word toe. Picciuto. Uh -huh. Super easy. Put it all together. What do you got? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like when I was growing up in school, it was every iteration of a mispronunciation you can imagine. And uh, I think the only time I've ever been in like a, an important setting where someone had to say my last name was correct is when I graduated college. And I was shocked when the person like phonetically said it correctly. Yeah. I was like, wow. Way to go. I know, I'm right? So it's, like, it's almost more shocking when they say it right than when they say it wrong. My yeah. favorite, I've had this happen on several occasions. You were not one of them, I will say. 
Wow. When I've been on other people's podcasts and they'll say, they'll like right before we start recording, they're like, okay, it's Demedio, right? And I'm like, yeah, great, thank you. And then they start recording and it's like, they just like, <laughs> they like short out or something. And they're like, I'm here today with Gianna Demadio and we're gonna talk about, da, 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 da. I'm like, what just happened? Because 30 seconds ago, you were on point. Like what happened between then and now? But, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just been butchered every imaginable way. Picciuto, it's not that. I mean, it is phonetically easy, but visually difficult. <laughs> I like, I'm calling you John Prosciutto from now on. Yeah, there you go. I'm not, I'm very used to it. <laughs> Prosciutto. John Prosciutto is here today. And we are going to talk about the loss of a career and basically everything that you went through during the pandemic. You are not the only one, my friend. There are millions of people that kind of had a transition in what their career path was, what their whole life path was. There's now a whole name for it. We're calling it the Great Resignation. So it certainly happened widespread. And I'd love to hear your story. I have a very unique story, I think, when it comes to the pandemic and kind of how my career developed, changed, altered. So I was working as a single entrepreneur for about two and a half years running my own construction company, and things were good. Financially, things were good. Uh, Work-life balance was really good, but I wasn't busy enough. So mm -hmm. I wanted to find something that would be more encompassing, more time-consuming, just basically something that would keep me a lot busier. Can I interrupt real quick? Was that always yeah. your dream to be in the construction business? No. And I never really knew what my dream was, I think, until I got fired. So okay. spoiler alert. When I was yeah, spoiler alert. When <laughs> I when I was young, I wanted to work in sports. My very first job out of college, I worked for a sports franchise. And I learned very quickly that I didn't want to work in sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you learn really early on when you get the thing that you think you want and it doesn't match up to your expectations, that like maybe we don't always know what we want out of yeah. life. Yeah. And so no, I didn't always want to work in construction. I worked for my family's crane company for about five years. And I had basically got to the point where I was running the whole company, but without like the full on financial incentive, without ownership of the business, it was my uncle's. And I wanted more. So I started my own company and it was going really well, but I just wanted to do something else. I wanted to be busier. I wanted to have more, you know, I had the perfect work-life balance, which was great. But then when I realized I had all this free time and money and I didn't have anyone to do anything with or share it with or like, mm -hmm. you know, everyone else is normal nine to five, but I work 20 hours a week yeah. and I just didn't have enough going on. So I got hired in on March 9th of 2020, pretty much the week that everything went remote and yeah. to work for a real estate uh, development trust investment company in the city, in New York City, for those who don't know what the city is. Mm -hmm. And... It started off great. I was in the office for two days. Then we went remote. And it was one of those situations where I didn't fit the role. I didn't have the experience that they wanted for the role. And prior to COVID, the conversation I had with the owner with the company is like, it's going to take us two years to get you where we want. And I was like, cool, that sounds great. I love learning. I love being able to like take on new challenges and tasks. Yeah. But in a post-COVID world, there was no longer that buffer, right? People weren't paying their rents. Things were happening across the country that were, you know, unprecedented in, in history. So basically at the six month point, I had a conversation with the owner and he was like, listen, he's like, we love you. You're just not right for this role. We no longer have the two year window to train you to be the person that we need. Mm -hmm. So they let me go. 
And were you shocked when this happened or did you kind of feel it coming? You kind of knew that things weren't feeling the way they should. It was a very small company. I'll say that there were six or seven employees and I didn't think I was going to get fired six months in. I knew I wasn't right for the role, but I knew that going in. I just expected there to be more tutelage, more training. And mm-hmm. when you go fully remote and you're not in an office with all of those seven other people, that opportunity is gone. I was yeah. thrown straight into the fire. Now, listen, I'm a smart person. I can learn things, but there's like uh, there was a technical aspect to the role that I just was never brought on and able to be onboarded and taught. And that could be indicative of me as a person. Sure, I'll take 50% of the responsibility and 50% of the responsibility to the to the company. And I think in like over the course of the six months, I realized it wasn't for me, but mm-hmm. it was just such a tremendous opportunity from a right. financial perspective and like a long-term monetary equity perspective that I had in the company that it's not like I could have ran away from it. And I think to be fair, nobody expected it to go this long. Sure. Yeah. In the uh, beginning, yeah. they're saying, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. We thought for sure by the summer we were going to be back into regular life. And you and the business were probably thinking, okay, once this is done in a few more weeks, a few more months, then you're back in the office. We're training you per usual and we can keep it going. Yeah. It had reached the point when we finally did get back to the office. Like I was there a few weeks before like I was let go. And to be fair, like I, I was shocked slash not surprised. Like it felt like, listen, if, if, if you had told me it was going to take two years to train me for the position, what changed in six months? Like yeah. the only thing that changed was the world around us. They were super, super kind in the severance package that they gave me and kind of how they took care of me on the way. I loved working with them. They're all good people. I'm, you know, really friendly with all of them. And I have no like qualms about what mm-hmm. happened, right? It, in hindsight, it has turned into the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it now put me on this path and this journey where I did find the thing that I want to do with my life. So amidst all the chaos of August of 2020 and losing my job and questioning everything about my entire life, like what a loser am I? What like, you know, I, what am I going to do? Like I failed on such an epic scale. I basically took my severance pay, I packed my car, and I drove around the country for about 30 days and just took a camera and my car and started taking pictures of literally everything across the country. And it was was kind of through. First of all, amazing. Second of (laughs) all, was that something that you had always wanted to do? What sparked that desire to do that? No, I wanted to go to Europe, but I wasn't allowed to. You know, (laughs) with the the COVID closings and and the border closings and everything. No, there was nothing about like uh, prior to that trip, I hadn't gone on vacation in probably five years. Mm. Like, I'm just not like one of those people that takes time off. I just work. I I build that work-life balance in terms of like my weekly basis, right? Like I'll go a weekend away to Atlantic City or, you know, to Florida for a weekend, but I won't spend a week or two weeks away, right? So I had never done any... I had never planned a trip like that. I never thought about doing a trip like that. The thought never really crossed my mind. I really wanted to pack a backpack and go to Europe for a month, but it just wasn't an option. So the next best thing was packing my car and driving around the country for for a month. Mm-hmm. I did skip California because it was on fire, but that's a different story. <laughs> you should go back. California is lovely. There's yeah. lots of parts of it that maybe weren't burning at the time. <laughs> yeah. They're still left. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh, not something that I'd ever planned on, not something I had ever seen myself doing. And there's something about that, like I was, you know, 
solitude for a month, right? I still had a cell phone and I was still on Instagram and Twitter and whatever. But there was, I learned a lot about myself in that period of time, like, you know, camping and hotel bouncing and, you know, operationally picking destinations to go to. And like, I was just doing it by Mm -hmm. the seat of my pants. Like basically I would show up somewhere, I would spend two or three days there and then I would be like, okay, where am I going next? What do you think surprised you the most about yourself during that time? How much I love photography. Mm. (laughs) I think, I think, you know, you know, I, I say a lot on my podcast, how the vast majority of your life is always planning ahead, right? So like you go to high school and get good grades so you can go to college and go to good college. And then you get good grades in college. so You can get the good job out of college. And then like everything is like, all right, well, in two years, I'll get this promotion. And then three years, I'll get this promotion. I'll be making this much money. And it's never, it never occurred to me at least. And I don't know if you can relate to stop and think about if these are things that I actually wanted. Right. Like 100%. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday that she's like, for the first time, I'm kind of realizing like, maybe I step aside from the corporate ladder, but you feel so invested in it because society tells you from the get you're hundred percent, right. You got to get good grades in high school. So you can go to a good college. You got to get good grades in college so you can get a good job. Oh, and by the way, you're 18 years old. You got to pick exactly what it is you want to do for the rest of your life. And then immediately you stick in that one thing. And that's all you're supposed to do is just climb, 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 climb. And that's what is so empowering about the last couple of years is I think now more than ever, we've seen people not just start over, start new jobs, but like completely go into totally different areas than would have ever been an option before. And that's what I think is so cool about your story. Yeah, totally. I mean, it has been a, like the greatest joy of my life to just realize that I can make a living doing something that I only really ever considered a hobby. And it's not like I didn't know that I could go be a photographer, right? It's not that I didn't know that I could go start a video production company. I knew these things. I just was like, well, you know, I won't make any money doing it. And the only thing that's important is the money and what house I buy and yes. what car I drive and what yes. watch I wear. And it, it it was something, it took something like the pandemic to really, I think, just like snap me out of the, the dizziness, the, you know, the cloudy eyed life that I was living to like really realize what's important. And that's like your family, your friends and mm-hmm. your health and your happiness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I had that cognitive ability prior to COVID. I, I think I was just busy looking at what the next move was and never stopped to reflect on whether what was transpiring in that moment was making me happy. Mm-hmm. And, and spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you look back at it, though, like, do you think you were more unhappy than you thought? Or just because totally. your whole perception was totally different back then compared to how it is now? Both. So I think my my ability to be self-introspective on life didn't exist. Now, I don't know if that's something that you just learn as you get older or something that comes once you start experiencing loss in life. Mm-hmm. But for sure, like the only thing I was focused on in my 20s was what car I was driving, what kind of watch I had, what I was posting on Instagram and how many likes it got and like who was viewing my story and like all of this dumb shit that didn't yeah. matter. That changed a lot like a lot in the last two years, because now I'm more interested in growth individually, growth from an art perspective, and just like genuinely growing in life. Therapy helps, right? I started therapy a couple of years ago. That has been transformative for me as well. And thank you. And I think there's not many 25 year olds who like take 
the opportunity to look around at their life and see if it is matching up to their expectations and like what their reality actually is. So Mm -hmm. like, could I have been that kind of a person? I don't think so. I don't think I could have at 25 been have any other life perspective other than like, let's go to the club and get fucked up and have fun. I think you live, you learn and truly everything happens for a reason. I agree with you. I also think that the unknown is really hard. And sometimes we don't give that as much credit as we should for like the ways that we are. I sit and think about it's like all the times I was worried about a job or worried about a boy or worried about something. I look back at it now. I'm like, how much wasted energy that was to be worried about that. There's nobody sitting there with a book saying, oh, don't, it's totally fine. You know, in 20, whatever, 2019, 2018, you're actually going to be in a perfect job or you're actually going to meet a perfect man or a perfect woman or whatever it is. So like, just go fuck around now. Just go have fun. None of this really matters, but you don't know. You, you think that if it doesn't happen for you right now, it may never happen for you. Or like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. It's the main fallacy of social media is the belief that everyone around you is just so happy and so fulfilled and has it figured out. And it couldn't possibly be further from the truth. We wouldn't be experiencing this great resignation, great migration, whatever you want to call it now, if that was the case. If people were as happy as they posted on Instagram, we wouldn't be experiencing what we are in the world today. Did you have family and friends that were going through something similar that were either lost their jobs or were, were trying to figure out something else to do? No, literally, I think I'm the only person. I don't know anyone else who like, I mean, like I know people, friends of friends who like lost their jobs or furloughed, things like that. But nobody that like I'm no one in my family, no one of my friends, like lost a job. And then that was it or like changed careers or I'm literally the only person. But again, I, I think where I am in relation to the people in my life is completely different. Everyone I know is married. Everyone I know has kids. I'm a 36-year-old single person. You know, my brother and sister are both married. My brother's got three kids. Everyone I know is in a different phase of their life. So the fact that no one else really experienced that, you know, situation similar to me doesn't is not much of a surprise. <laughs> what was their reaction to what happened to you and the new journey that you went on? You take the friend aspect and the family aspect in like two different buckets, right? Like, so friends just are supporting you unconditionally because at the end of the day, like they just want to see you be successful and family the same to some extent, but like with family, it's like two things, right? They're like, how are you going to pay your rent? And how are you going to live? And are you okay? Right? So like my, my, my mom, I love her to death the greatest human being on earth constantly texting me in, in the summer of 2020. Are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. Like, do you need any money? Like, I'm like, you know, not like, no, like I'm fine. Like, you know, it's, it's like that aspect of it. Yeah. I would say that if it were not for my family and my friends, I wouldn't be able to be in the position that I am today. And like, I was having a conversation with my cousin earlier this morning, we were talking about what like the next phase of my career is going to look like because I've got some like very big projects that I'm in the process of creating and working on that if let's say one or two of them come to fruition it's it's ball game game over like mm-hmm. things are insane like everything that I the seeds that I sowed in the summer of 2020 have now blossomed into a fucking tree and it's crazy Good for so you. I was talking about thanks yeah I was talking to him about it I was like man I really feel like I'm on the cusp of something and it's not coming as quickly as I want. And, you know, oddly enough, a couple of weeks ago, this company's head uh, hunter, like reached out to me to hire me for this role. And I went down the whole interview process. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. 
And it's just like one of those things that like without the help and the aid and the comfort and the like shoulders to lean on with my family, my friends, I would never have been able to be in the position that I am today. Good for you for realizing that though about that, that other position, because you're right that that's like the comfortable thing to do to just say, okay, yeah, I can get the 401k and the insurance and the salary back and all of these things. But then am I going to be in the same spot that I was again and unhappy and like say, what the hell am I? doing here totally it's funny you know i was i was talking about it and i was like you know it's just the smart thing to do right get back on the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. and it all it all boils back to doing things that don't make sense for me right but like pragmatically it's very easy to keep up get that keeping up with the joneses mentality where yes well you know i could then still spend 12 to 20 hours a week on the side doing my photography business and my video business or and my podcast and i'm like that's not enough. The story I tell all the time is 2020 was the best year of my life financially and like the worst everything else. Mm-hmm. 2021 was the best year of my life and the worst year of my life financially. And 2022 is where I'm marrying the two. Ah, to be, okay. I have, right. So like, that's where it's all building towards, but it's just taking too much time and I'm an yeah. impatient Sagittarius and that's where things are at. Yeah. But yeah, we're well, we're Italians. There's no such thing as patience that never got passed (laughs) on to our breed. So totally right there with you. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where were it not for the people and the relationships that I have, I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't have the confidence to continue to chase a dream that at times the goal line is always moving. Whenever you put a goal in place from a creative pursuit and you hit it, it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing, right? So it's like, I've had to reframe how I view success from a career because it's, you always eventually do the thing you want to do. And, but then it's like, there's this, and now what situation with yeah. the career that I never really had. So how do you view success now? I don't know that answer right now. I think success to me, like a year ago, would have been measured in Instagram followers and brand deals and shit that didn't matter. And now it is probably creating the projects that I want to create and be involved in the industries and the projects that I'm working on now and getting opportunities that are now happening that I didn't know to know to want a year ago. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know I, how I measure success. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I ask that question on my podcast all the time because for me, like just paying my bills and being happy is like the ultimate pursuit yeah. of life. Right. Yeah. So like I'm doing that. Does that mean I'm successful? I don't know. Like, do I have to shoot like a Super Bowl halftime commercial to be successful? I don't know. <laughs> like, do I have to shoot the cover of Vogue? I don't know. Like, those are not things that like I've ever like, oh my God, if I do that, I'm a success. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's 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 a very good but hard question to ask me. I agree with you. I mean, sometimes it's not even what is success, but what is not. It's yeah. not just bringing home a paycheck, but being miserable while doing it. It's not keeping up with the Joneses, like you said, making sure you're in line with what everyone else's happiness is, but it may not be yours. I have a couple questions about this, and then I want to get into what it is that you're doing with your photography and your podcast now. I wonder, was it any consolation to you outside of all the support that you did have from your family and friends? Was it any consolation to know that millions of people were going through the same thing too? No. Really? <laughs> I know. Cause yeah, you had said in the beginning, you felt yeah. like such a failure, but like you, you looked around. So there's two and- things. There's no question that I failed in the job that I had, right? Like I failed and 
I think 95% of taking that loss and that grief is admitting to myself that I failed, right? Had I been successful in what I was doing, I would still be working there. And I think that a lot of times people look at failure and have a very hard time of admitting the fact that they failed or that they didn't succeed to their full potential. And I've got no problem doing that. So for me, it doesn't give me any... Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But like to me, the the fact that like millions of people are quitting their job and doing their own thing, I love it. It just doesn't make me feel better about mm-hmm. myself, right? Like I'm still mentally self-motivated and self-driven, whether I see people doing the same thing or not. I think because it hasn't touched me directly. Like if I knew a lawyer friend who quit being a lawyer to go start a bakery or something, I could be like, oh shit, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. From a pragmatic perspective, it doesn't affect me whatsoever, but it is very cool to see that people are starting to realize that in terms of what's important in life, it's not your job and it's not the thing that you go do every day for work, right? Mm-hmm. It is the relationships that you have with people in your life, your friends, your family, and your health. And that's literally it. Like mental health, physical health, and happy relationships with the people around you. That is the meaning of life. At least Say in my louder opinion. for those in the back. <laughs> Absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. You probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out. Betterhelp.com SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash SSFYL. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And the yeah. mental health, I want to touch on that a little bit. You said you started therapy a few years ago. So this was before this whole thing with the job happened. It was when I got fired. Yeah, I was basically Oh, you like, started that? You started yeah. when this was did a few happen. months. Okay. It was, yeah, it was a few months after I lost my job where it was before I like, so I went on this trip and I like came back and I basically immediately started looking for jobs. And I was just having a hard time figuring out what I wanted to do. And I was going on all these interviews and then I wasn't getting offers. And I just got really, really anxious about the things that were going on in my life. And I was like, I mean, like, I'm an incredibly positive person. I am an incredibly happy person. I usually never had trouble sleeping, mentally sleeping. Physically, I'm a terrible sleeper, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like keeping myself (laughs) up at night with my brain racing, right? Yes. And these are all things that started happening to me. And I was like, I should talk to someone. I was like, it's very, very clear that I am irritable. I'm miserable. And I need to start identifying what these causes are and how I can learn from them and grow. Did that take a little bit for you to accept that you needed to take that step? Or were you kind of just like, all right, this is fine. I ask yeah, because I ignore, yeah. for for men and mental health, it's not I mean, first of all, for anybody in mental health, you know, it, it's, a, it's a huge wave right now of everybody trying to 
to normalize it and say that it's okay. And I mean, I'm of the mind that like literally everybody should be in therapy. It should be something that you have your primary care appointment every year and you're assessed how much you need or whatever it is from there. But that's still being worked on for men. It's totally different for the Italian culture too. I know it's very <laughs> different. I've had friends that are Italian and they've had a really hard time wrapping their heads around it. And then once they do, they're having an even harder time getting their old school family to understand why they're going. Yeah, totally. I think, thankfully, I, I've been lucky enough to have, like, I have a wonderful relationship with my family. I have the best family on, on earth. I, I couldn't be luckier in that regards. And they were fully supportive of me going to therapy because it's That's just wonderful. like a normal thing. The fact that there are still a uh, stigma attached to getting better mental health is crazy to me. I know. And I, you know, I, I'm full on the train of like making fun of athletes when they're talking about their mental health. Like, you know, I, I was that guy, right? I was that person like, what the fuck do you mean? You're like, you know what I mean? Like, that was who I was. Are, but that was also are we talking about Ben byproduct. Simmons? Because that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. This is a whole other podcast. But that is a whole other podcast. Yes. But like that, that was a whole byproduct, I think, of like the culture, right? Like that was the norm. And I don't feel that way anymore. It's crazy to me. You know, you don't have the full relationship that you have with your, your parents and your friends where you can tell them everything, right? Because it just feels like you're offloading on them, right? Like it, it's easy to really stress someone out when you're like telling them all the things that's going on in your life mm -hmm. and what you're, you're struggling with. And they're not always going to tell you something that is not biased, right? They're going yeah. to tell you something that they have formed an opinion on based on the 30 years that they know you. Yeah. So for me, having a completely non-biased person who's just listening to what I have to say about the things that I'm going through and saying, well, hey, how about this? Or, hey, how about that? And this is why you feel that way. Or maybe this is something you should try. It's been transformative. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think I could be as happy as I am today if it were not for having gone to therapy. I don't think I would be as like, well, I would be working a regular job had I not started therapy. I would have 100% just gone right back to being a cog in the wheel and getting on that hamster wheel and, and running in place. I love that you're able to attribute not only like your mental happiness, but just like your place in society to oh, yeah, the work sure. that you've done in therapy. And that's amazing. It's just true, right? Like at the end of the day, had I not taken steps to like better myself and you can better yourself by yeah. going to the gym and you could better yourself by going to therapy. And I think like, I don't know, maybe this is just the new age, new wave thing. And I feel like, <laughs> like a fraud at times when I say that, but it's true because I believe in manifesting positive things in your life. Mm -hmm. I believe that the the mind is powerful enough to create the life that you want for yourself. But like every muscle in your body, you have to work it out. You've yeah. got to like practically deconstruct it, rebuild it and yes. work on it. And, yes. and that's something that I would, you know, 25 year old John would have laughed at 35 year old John going to therapy. No question, but it's the greatest thing I've ever done. Ah, I love it. I hope that you're inspiring so many other men to do the same because it's still something that needs a little bit of work. But I, I think over the last couple of years, everybody's really seen the benefit of it in, in an unfortunate circumstance. You know, it's like everybody's back was against the wall all of a sudden with just this crazy shit that has gone on. So now tell me where you're at with your video and photography and explain the podcast a little bit. I am a primary street and documentary photographer, which means I go out into my environment and I take pictures of people, places, and things. 
and I make money by selling prints. I also do portrait work and paid for headshots. All of what I do from a photography perspective is more geared towards the fine art world. So selling prints, creating collections, etc. From a video perspective, I, I'm actually just starting the journey of my video career because I'm just now getting opportunities to do it. So two weeks from now in February, I'm shooting my first music video. Um, wow, in March, cool. yeah, pretty cool. In March, I got hired to be the behind the scenes cameraman for uh, a television production that's being shot in New York City. So that'll be like five weekends in a row where I'll be doing all behind the scenes photography and videography. So cool. And are you yeah. self-taught with all this or did you take some 100%. courses in that time? YouTube and self-taught. Like literally, oh, I freaking love it. it. And everything from editing photos to editing videos, everything that I've learned is strictly online through all free tutors and things that you can find on YouTube. It's amazing. I, I actually said this to uh, someone I had on my podcast yesterday was when I was young, like in my teens and into college, I had no interest in learning. Right? I didn't have any interest in school. I didn't have any interest in learning, being like taught something new. And I always just did well in school because I could retain knowledge, right? Like I would listen to it in class and then I would remember it when we took the test, but I wasn't learning anything. And my thirst for knowledge and learning new things as I've gotten older has increased tenfold. So yeah. like learning how to start a podcast, very easy. Learning how to become a photographer, not that easy. Took me a bunch of weeks learning on YouTube. And then, you know, buy a camera, go out, take pictures and learn. And it was all self-taught. It was all me figuring things out as I went along. I, I think that's been probably the best thing about the whole journey was that I it was something that I started on my own and really developed on. And then so like a year into my whole journey, so like February, this basically a year ago this time, me and my brother were talking about how bored we were and we wanted to start a podcast. So we recorded one episode of the now defunct The Daily Ramble podcast. And it was basically <laughs> gonna be just me and him bullshitting shooting about like shit. whatever was yeah. Yeah, shooting the shit. And he was a father of two. They got pregnant with their third and he was like, dude, I've got no time to do this. And I was like, mm -hmm. I totally understand. If it's okay with you, I'm going to then start my own podcast. And through that, you know, kind of decision became the Wrong Advice podcast. And the podcast has been something that has been in a way therapy for me through conversations with people about mm -hmm. life. I've been lucky enough to have conversations with famous photographers, content creators with millions of TikTok followers and Instagram followers and YouTube followers. I had a priest on my show. Um, I've had multiple artists on my show. I've had, you know, mental manifestation coaches on my show. And I've had the ability to have just so many wonderful conversations with people about life. It has been one of like the most reaffirming and wonderful things that has ever happened to me. Because I think what I've started to learn is that through life as you get older, it's more about the conversations that you have with people and how you like unite with them yeah. and like what you learn from other people that makes you grow. Right. Yeah. So like, it is just been one of those really cool things where, you know, I don't care if I get 10,000 downloads an episode, I don't care if it's 10 people, but I hope the 10 people that listen to my podcast are learning something from it, are able to relate to something that is said on it. Because or walking like away podcast, from it happy and just yeah. feeling like they were enlightened by something that you had said. Yeah, totally. Totally. I was gonna say like, you know, people can learn a lot about how other people have gone through things like grief and loss, and how they were able to tackle the shitty things that happen in life and learn from them and grow. And I think that 
there's so much in our world that can push people to the sides and separate us and segment us in based on a litany of things. And what I like to do is realize how the same we are. Like everyone mm-hmm. feels the same way. We all have imposter syndrome. We all have confidence issues. Yeah. We all want to be happy. But it's yeah. like when you are able to hear it from a bunch of different people, it kind of, you know, finally filters into your brain to be like, okay, it's this is normal. You're totally right. Right. It's like repetition. You need to hear it like 25 times for it to finally stick. And yeah. when it comes from people of all different backgrounds, you really start to believe it. You're yeah. doing a great thing. I, I was on the show the other day. We had a lot of fun. You are a great interview, asked a lot of good questions. I uh, will we'll link to the show and the show notes for this. Besides me, because I know I was your favorite, <laughs> Who was your favorite guest or what was one of your favorite conversations that you've had? That's such a good question. And I say the same thing every time each new person I talk to is my new favorite person. And it's such a cop out, but it's true because I could look back and take something from every conversation yeah. I've had and be like, oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. That was amazing. But it's getting the opportunity to keep having these conversations, which has been truly impactful for me. And like meeting amazing, cool people like you and pretty much everyone else that I've spoken to. I mean, a a friend of mine who is, his name's Tyler James. He is a photographer. He was based in Minneapolis. He just moved to Texas. We met on Instagram and I've had him on my podcast twice now. And we've had wonderful conversations about mental health and art and imposter syndrome and kind of like how we tackle you know, this creative pursuit that we both share. Mm -hmm. And he's like one of my best friends now. We've never met in real life. Right. And there have been so many wonderful things that I've learned, learning how to manifest your, your happiness, you know, people's concept of afterlife, I think has been one of the truly eye-opening experiences for me. I ask the same question all the time. Like, do you believe in afterlife? Like those answers are things that I really like and like talk about because you get to a certain point in your life where like, you know, you've got more days behind you than you got in front of you. And like that changes the lens from which mm-hmm. you see life now. But yeah, it's it's tough to say who my favorite is or whatever, but the, the next one will always be my favorite. It will always hold the special place in my heart because it's like these conversations, you, you give someone an hour of your life for no reason other than to just talk. And it's special. I say the same cheesy thing at, at the end of every conversation. It's like, you're part of my family now and I love you and thank you for being here. And I'm just a dork like that. That's so great though. And I love that you have created such a relationship with this person, Tyler, and you've never even met him before. And I feel like I've done the same, not just with people that I've I've interviewed, but people that I've become friendly with on Instagram because we immediately have this bond because if we've gone through a similar loss, we know that we can relate to each other more than we can relate to some of the people in our own lives that we've known for decades. And it's one of this, like it's such a double-edged sword with Instagram and social media, because there are some days where I'm like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to do this anymore. This is making me so anxious. I don't want to look at this. Like you said, you think that everybody has it better. You think somebody's doing bigger and better than you are. But then at the same time, if I were to cut it off, take it off of my phone and never look at it, I would really lose out on a huge, huge support group that I've created through the people that I have these relationships with now. Totally. Like what you said, it is a double-edged sword. Like you need to treat it as like my opinion of what social media is now is two things. It is a tool and it should be about building community and not like I used to watch the bachelor and bachelorette all the time. It was like Mm -hmm. my guilty pleasure. And I realized that I was like tweeting about the show constantly, but it was such negative shit. Like I was such a dickhead, like making fun of people. And I was like, 
that's super toxic that the only reason I watch this show is to talk shit about people yeah. on TV. And I'm like, wow, that's, I stopped watching it recently because I was like, that, that makes me like an asshole. Like that's yeah. shitty. Why would I do that? So I think if you look at what it is at the end of the day is it was designed to bring people together. It is now being the thing that brings people apart. Yep. But if you're able to build a community around your podcast, around your career, around your photography, your art, your music, whatever it might be, it can be a wonderful tool and a wonderful way for you to build new relationships in what is otherwise an immensely chaotic world. Totally agree. Immensely chaotic is a great <laughs> way to put it. I know because I learned so much from it too. I mean, oh my God, when I was pregnant, like that was what I would do every night. I, my husband would fall asleep. I would lay there like an insomniac and I would Google everything about pregnancy and learn what I needed to know about raising a baby. And here I am and she's doing great so far. So thanks Instagram. <laughs> I'm sure it has nothing to do with the internet more to do with you as a person. <laughs> So I, I normally do try to put like some pop culture stuff into it, but I don't know if you follow it all. <laughs> Talking about men and mental health, Kanye West, our favorite Ooh. billionaire rapper. <gasps> do you have any thoughts on him? Because I I don't yeah. like what I'm I'm seeing. I think so. He's... Here's my question. Yeah, yeah my question for you is: so my biggest problem with Kanye is he has created a way for us to almost use mental health and mental illness as a scapegoat. And mm -hmm. I genuinely wonder if he is a person dealing with mental health issues or he's just an asshole, right? So like, I'm not sure angry. anymore. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure anymore. I read something yesterday. He was going around telling people that Pete Davidson has AIDS. Yes. Like, so what? like to me, that's not a mental health disorder. That's an asshole. That is a, that's an asshole. So pre 2011, Kanye was my jam, right? College mm -hmm. workout tour, uh, album, oh, yeah. whatever. His first two, three albums were like the soundtrack to my life. Then I think like any normal human being who's in flux with life changing amounts of money and opportunity, he changed. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, the, the mental health discussion with Kanye, I think is incredibly polarizing because I have a hard time understanding if it is a mental health conversation or an asshole conversation or whether people in society are using his words and actions and describing them as mental health when I don't necessarily know or who does, whether that is the case. He's exhibited immensely erratic behavior and it's alarming to watch and see but like, I don't know, is he mentally ill or is he just an asshole? It's, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I think you have an incredibly great point there. I do think it's a mix of both. I think there is mental illness there and there is a whole lot of him being an asshole. And some of it could be caused by one or the other. And then when it just bleeds together like that, it's really hard to determine. So yes, and unfortunately, he's watering down the terms of what it means to be mentally ill because sometimes he's just being a dick. And I, agree. I have to say, I know people can say what they want about the Kardashians. I don't know what your opinion is on them. I freaking love them. I don't have an opinion. Like I've never watched the shows. To me, they are caricatures of human yeah, beings, yeah. right? Like they're they're not real people, right? Like, when you live your life 1000% online, on TV, on whatever, like do they even really know who they are anymore? Yeah. Probably not. I mean, they've attained a level of celebrity that is really, I don't think comparable to any other human being it's in the not. history of humans, right? It's in not. society. Yeah. I don't follow Kim Kardashian on Instagram. I'm not like a big Kardashian guy. They don't have any impact on my life. I'm I have no I have no positive 
things yeah. to say. I've got no negative things to say. I don't really think about them at all. Honestly, I don't. So I yeah. have a soft spot for them because the loss of their father and sure. how much they've really held that close to them, even after all of this. I mean, no matter what it is, I mean, Kim could go to the Met Ball or they could go to some award show or whatever. And the next day they could be sitting there like in tears with each other about how they miss their dad. And they really keep that the core of their family. And it really is family over everything. So I admire that. I that but I also do see that they are completely warped in, in reality a lot of times. I well, they say don't live in reality. <laughs> they don't. No, they, they live in the reality that they've created. I, I, I do think that they are incredible business people. Say what you want about them. But oh, sure. oh, my at God, the yeah. end of the day, they were reality stars. They were yeah. no different than the people that you talk about on The Bachelor, on The Bachelorette. Like, I don't see any of them having billion dollar businesses. The fact that Chris Jenner is not in like the business hall of fame. And I don't <laughs> even know if that's a real thing. I mean, she's literally turned every single one of her children into a billionaire. I mean, maybe yep. Kendall's not, but like Kim is a billionaire, basically Kylie's a billionaire, basically like what that woman, how she took like her daughter being a friend of a celebrity, right? Like she was friends yeah. with Paris Hilton or she something. Was Paris Hilton's assistant. Oh my God. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh my God. That's so funny. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yes. That's crazy to me. I saw a meme one time. It was like the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner, Chris works, Jenner harder. works harder. And oh yeah. What they have done from monetizing them as, you know, individuals and businesses is incredible. It is without comparison in the history of the world. It's yeah. insane. It's now there's that family and now, you know, say what you want about them, but now there's children involved, right? Kim and Connie have four kids. And when the kids are involved and there's things that are coming up, he's out in the media saying she didn't invite him to the daughter's birthday party. She won't let him in the house. And people are like, yeah, that's a divorce, bro. Like you're no longer <laughs> a part of the family. There was something that she put on social media and her daughter was wearing makeup. And then it's this whole headline that Kanye saying she did that just to torment him. Everything that she does now is going to be weaponized against her because again, is it mental illness? Is it anger? Is it him being an asshole? And I, I just feel for this family because he's, I think, going to take it to a whole other level. I don't know that he's ever going to be able to just step back and step down and, and let them live. Now, like you said, they've made their own reality around themselves and there's no one who's warped their own perception of their reality more than Kanye. I mean, yeah. he, like, I, so part of me thinks their divorce was probably rooted in him having mental health yeah. problems. Yeah. And Kim just probably not wanting to deal with it anymore. And, you know, that sucks. Like, that's never a great thing to hear, especially for someone like myself who's dealt with anxiety issues and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So that sucks. But at the end of the day, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on in Kanye's head. But the way he's handling this situation now is without question wrong. He's 30 something years old. Act your age, dude. Like, he's, he's acting like a petulant child and not like a, a yeah. father. And unfortunately, in this media landscape that we're in today, I mean, they just take anything as fodder and run with it. Totally. There, there's no Again, like fact checking anymore of anything. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. I, I don't envy that at all. I, I often say, like, while I want to be immensely commercially successful and work with incredible brands and people and whatnot, I have zero desire for fame. I don't want people I to know me. I don't yeah, yeah. I have no desire. 
for that. Like I would hate to walk out of my apartment building and, and someone's who are taking my pick. Who the fuck am I? Mm -hmm. Like that is a level of like living your life in a fishbowl that I have no, no interest in, in learning about. <laughs> I agree. I want to, I want to work with the famous people. I want to hear what they have to say and, you know, be in their circles and feel like I can absorb some of the, the knowledge that they have or whatever it is from their experiences. And, and that's ultimately what I'd love to do with the show. Kim Kardashian, if you're listening, I would love to have you on this show to talk about <laughs> the loss of your father. <laughs> yeah. Kanye, listen, <laughs> if you're having a day where you don't feel like being an asshole, I'd love to have you on this show to talk about the loss of your <laughs> mother. Let's get some Donda to press press opportunities on the So Sorry for Your Loss podcast. Well, this was a great conversation. I really I wish you the best. I'm so excited to see what you. you do. I mean, it's such a, a good story. I, I think you have all of the drive, all of the right perspective on life and everything needed to succeed in the way that you want, since we don't know exactly what that definition is, but whatever is success for you. And I hope you get it. Thank you so much, Jan. I think you're such an, a wonderful, amazing human being. And I'm obviously incredibly appreciative for you having me on your podcast today. And I love what you're doing. I think the ability to destigmatize grief and loss and have conversations with people about how they can overcome and how feeling every kind of feeling in their, their loss is totally normal. So thank you so much for, for having me on and, and being my friend. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, keep in touch. I'll talk to you soon. I will. Be well. Take care. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned. <laughs>